Welcome to Life in the Groove. It's Tina Anderson, your groove gal. How are you? Hopefully you're in a good mood, and if not, I'm going to help you get there. Life in the Groove is your safe place filled with clarity, inspiration, fun, practical tips so you can live the good life and live it healthy and strong. Taking your calls or tweets, posts, or emails, you know where to connect with me, tinaandersonoc.com. Please talk to me there or toll-free, 855-892-9606, 8929606. All right, so today we have a <clears throat> somber show. I can say sober show as well. Uh, we're going to be talking to two friends of mine actually and we're going to talk about their struggle with addiction and a really serious one. So we're not talking about um, a light struggle here or something that is just oh this is really kind of bugging me and it's uh, it's causing some obstacles. We're talking about the life-threatening kind of addictions. We're going to talk mainly about alcoholism, but we'll talk about some other things as well. Mark Tarka and Mark Bustamante, uh, they're not famous names, and certainly we have a lot of famous people in the news all the time that are dealing with addictions and how they go into rehab and they relapse. But you know what? I think sometimes for the average person, we don't identify with them. We're like, well, you got money, and you got fame, and you got people around you, and you got stuff to keep you interested, and you know, whatever. Um, but what about the average person that has to deal with paying bills, dealing with the mortgage, family members around them that are struggling with it as well, trying to hold down a job, trying to put on a facade? What about the average person driving to work every day, or the average mom trying to raise her kids that is uh, sneaking a glass of wine at 10 in the morning? So that's why I wanted to bring on my friends to talk about their journeys because this this will I this will really I think help you to identify with the just the normal everyday life struggles and then when you add on an incredibly uh terrible addiction and something that just throws you off completely and for those of you that have never dealt with an addiction I know I've mentioned a couple times my issue with bulimia and being uh, and having a food issue, a big time, you know, issue with that. I'm not going to get into that too much. I will say that unless you have had an addiction, you don't know what it feels like to be overpowered completely. I know my dad used to say, I don't understand. Just have a have a two M&Ms. You know, it's not good for you. You shouldn't have too much sugar. And for him, he could just have two M&M's or literally a two bites of cheesecake. For me, once I saw the cheesecake, once I was around it, that's all I thought about all day, all night, and the next day. And why why couldn't I have it? Could I have it? Could I find a way to have it? Counting my calories, whatever. And it just sends you into a black hole. And then when you do go down that black hole, you kind of live in there for a while to use, you kind of claw your way back out. So I understand it. And uh, luckily for me, it wasn't drugs because, you know, I think I can't imagine where I'd be if it were. Um, so I, I'm not going to talk about that too much today, but I am going to dive into bulimia and the addiction with food and all of that on another show. And I'll talk about my personal journey a little bit more. We're going to focus um, uh, on the two marks today. <laughs> okay, so uh, so stand by because wait for these stories. You're not going to believe some of the stuff. Well, actually, you might if you're dealing with this. And it will give you some comfort. It'll give you hope. And uh, it will 
perhaps save your life or someone's life. And that's part of what we want to do here as well. You can't live a good life if you're not living. So, you know, that's, that's part of it. Okay. So April Fools has passed. Jay, can you grab your mic? So you're ready. So I, I looked up what it's about. It's All Fools Day, and it's, it supposedly dates back to the 1500s. It's an occasion to perpetrate tomfoolery, and I love that because I like, you know, playing jokes on people and stuff. So I have one that I did, Jay, and I don't know if you've ever done April Fools, but... Once or twice. Have you? I did one at work once where we put a, a sign on a copy machine, and it said copy machine's been updated and we have new we have a new I forgot what we wrote, something like a new butt or new software or something and you all you have to do is voice activate the <laughs> it was great. Uh-huh. And so it's like you have to speak slowly and you have to repeat it three times. Right. I need four <laughs> copies. I need, it was the best. And then we were like around the corner. And the first thing we did is we, is I didn't do it because <clears throat> I've laughed too much, but I had somebody else go and do it and make mm-hmm. it sound like it was working. And right. they hit the copy machine. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was the best ever. What about you? No, it's been a long time since I've done anything, but I know my dad makes a point to do something to my mom every year. He does? So, yep. well, so, so I'll have to find out, you know, what it is. Well, so does she walk around all day trying to figure out, try to anticipate? Yeah, sometimes she'll wait till the end of the day to do it. But I know he tries to get her every year. It's so much fun if someone can handle it. I don't know if you've ever played a joke on someone. Then it's more funny if somebody cannot handle the joke. It's it's actually funnier to watch that reaction, mm-hmm. really, even though you feel kind of bad. Right. They get uptight about it, and then it's it's more funny. I'm just it is. <laughs> Well, anyway, I uh, so you guys can use the copy machine one, and you don't have to wait for All Fools Day to do it. You can just take that one. It is fantastic. You know, do it on a Friday or something just for one, just for fun. All right, uh, looking in the news, by the way, I've already seen research on this, but just want to remind you guys, if you go into the doctor, speaking of doctors, and they want to do your BMI, BMI is outdated. It, you know, it doesn't, and maybe you've heard this before, but it doesn't measure your body fat. So if you're a bodybuilder, you could have high BMI, which makes no sense because you're ripped to shreds, right? So it's really the body mass index, and it doesn't derif- differentiate between muscle or fat, and it doesn't account for how it's distributed. So, and also sedentary folks and short people have an unfair advantage over athletes and those who are tall because it's a waist to height ratio um, that we're looking for. And so if you are dealing with trying to lose weight, and this came up because I just did a gym opening and someone said to me, I just had my BMI done and it's terrible. And I looked at him and I'm like, you're, you have a lot of muscle on you. you I'm guessing you're probably... I want to say for female, she's probably about 21% and she's a little bit older. So that she's really lean. So I said, you know what? You should just get your body fat tested. So be careful with the BMI and it's coming out more and more, but you definitely don't want to fall into the trap of feeling like you're overweight if your BMI is high. However, having said that, obviously, if you know you're carrying around a bunch of weight, then you can't hide behind that and say, wait a second. I heard Tina say that BMI doesn't matter. It still does if you're, and you know, if you're pretty much overweight but get your body fat tested that would make more sense also uh was talking to this other this person also and she was saying to me you know I just can't get motivated I've talked about this before on the show I can't get motivated I get in here I don't know what to do Jay are you still motivated you still getting in the gym I talked to you a couple weeks Mm -hmm. ago yeah still getting in there and you we talked about this too is that you're not going to see the results right away like your body will change from the inside 
and things will start to convert, but you won't see that happening. You can have half a half of a half of, of a percent of muscle that you've added and a very small amount of fat that you drop, but you don't know it unless you get your body fat tested. And then you give up because you think nothing's happening. When it is happening, it is happening, but you can't see it. You just yeah, can't see I it. I didn't see anything for about the first month and a half. That's but, normal. Um, I think I've lost about 10 pounds in the last six weeks. Oh, excellent. So, because yeah. I remember that was one of your New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it was my only New Year's yeah. resolution. No, <laughs> That's okay. It's a, and it's a good one. And I remember you said, no, I really do, really do want to lose weight for New Year's. And so I'm just telling you, she, one of her things was I lost motivation. I came in for about two weeks every day, which that's a mistake. If you're doing something every day, typically you need a rest day and nothing happened. So I gave up. So you know what, you guys, I don't know how many times I got to say this, but I'm going to say it again. Are you listening? Okay. Listen up. It takes a long time for some of you. It takes a short time to see sometimes just a little bit of change for some of you. It takes a lot longer. You have to be consistent. Don't give up. And that is kind of the theme today in general, I guess, when we talk about battling uh, alcoholism and addiction and your thoughts and where they lead you and how you have to arrest them and how you have to just fight the good fight. So hopefully this girl's back in the gym and she's, she's back at it, but she hadn't been there for two years. She gave up for two years and came into this gym opening. So I'm saying to you now, uh, you know what? You're not going to see the changes necessarily right away. If your BMI is really high because you're over fat, then certainly yes, you need to get in there. But be careful with that measurement. And in just moments, we're going to get into something very serious. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk to the two marks about battling alcoholism as life in the groove continues. Hi guys, welcome to Life in the Groove. Welcome back. Hopefully you didn't go anywhere. Do not go anywhere. This is my show. You listen to the whole show. Did that sound like I was scolding you? I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Tina Anderson, 855-892-9606 or tinaandersonoc.com. My guest today, Mark Tarka, Mark One, Mark Tarka, and Mark Bustamante, with their personal struggles, 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 I'm not drinking, <laughs> personal struggles with, yeah, with alcoholism. The reason that I am doing it this way, there are certainly a lot of celebrities who deal with drug and alcohol addictions and so many other things. Can we all relate to the celebrities? A little bit. Can we relate to someone next door? the next door neighbor, the teacher, the coach, uh, the business person, the salesperson, the dad. Yes, we can. And that's why I want to talk to my two Marks, two friends of mine, about their struggles. I'm going to start with Mark Tarka. First of all, welcome Mark and Mark, both of you, to the show. Hi, Tina. How are you? Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Mark, you wrote something. I don't know if it's on. Can anyone see this on Facebook or is it just? I think it's on public okay so it's can we give that out people want to read it or what do you want to do about that you want to put it in notes maybe and put it on your facebook page 
on your profile page sure, later? I actually did put it on my notes. Okay. On the notes page, it doesn't have the pictures, but yeah. Okay. So it's Mark Susie, right? Yeah. Tarka? Mark Susie Tarka. Yeah, T-A-R-C-A. If you want to read the story, and I was going to put some on the blog. It's pretty long, so I'll figure that out later. But, uh, but there's so much to say. But basically... Um, oh, look at my engineer fixing your mic. Thank you, Jay. Uh, basically, you have the story there, and so if you want to go to his profile page, you can read about uh, all the different layers to this story, which we will encapsulate the best we can. I want to start with something that you wrote, and that was simply, January 1st, 1971 would be a day that would change my life forever. And let's go back, as painful as that is, and explain to us what happened. Uh, that day I was, uh, I was nine years old. It was New Year's Day and our family went back to some friend's house, um, after a New Year's Eve party to kind of just clean up and, you know, and have some fun. And my dad was out back giving snowmobile rides to all the kids. And it was about 4.30 in the evening. It was getting dark and it was snowy and I'll, I'll never forget going to my mother saying, can I go on the last ride with dad? And and I remember her saying, no, you know, get, in the, get inside now. It's getting late. I remember running into the back room, just looking out the back window and seeing my dad driving off with a, with a neighbor on the back. And uh, that was the last time I ever saw him. He, uh, he got in a snowmobile accident, went over a cliff and, and was killed. And uh, I always uh, resented my mother for not uh, letting me go on that last ride. Because you thought, a, according to weight. your note, yeah, right. you thought that you From would have saved him, right? Yeah, I just, right, and, and felt that guilt. And in in your writing of this and the story, and you, when you look back at everything, do you think at that point, at that young of an age, something could have been triggered? At that young of an age? Well, it was it was resentment that was triggered. I mean, I used to, uh, you know, we used to always pray to God for you know, safety and protection. And, um, I just got very angry. Um, I thought, uh, God was supposed to protect us. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, buried that resentment and I had to hold a lot in, um, you know, back then they didn't have counseling for of course, right. kids and it was just, uh, you know, it was pretty overwhelming. Let's move on then. And I don't want to discount that cause I know how sad that was for you. And I know how close you were with your father for anyone, it would be, you know, just a, an enormous amount to handle at that age. I want to move forward a little bit as to we get into the issue of the drinking. And it seemed to have started some at some point with um, the uncle and working at the bar. Is that kind of where it kicked in? That's where it definitely accelerated. Um, I was young. I probably had my first drink at, uh, I guess it would be 13. Um when we moved, we, we had to relocate after uh, my dad died, so we relocated to Connecticut. And um, my mother always had me working, so I was working early morning. I was delivering newspapers, and um, I think I was 14 when I started working at a bar, and I would clean the bar. Uh, every morning I had keys to it. and but, but my uncle was kind of a supposedly a role model. He was my godfather. He was a cop. Um, and I never thought it strange that he was giving me beer and Playboy magazines at 13 years old. And I had a key to his house, and he always had, you know, booze in his house and always wanted me to invite my young girl's friends mm, over. Right. I never put two and two together. Of course um, not. You know, I trusted him. He was of a, course. You know. Um, 
And that uh, certainly, so. I'm sure working at a bar and being able to pour drinks for yourself. Did you feel like you were escaping already at that age? Did it numb you out already at 13, oh, 14? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. Did, you know, I think it's a, uh, they call it the presence of absence when you lose a dad or a, you know, a mother really young. And it's kind of like a hole that you just, you're always trying to fill. And uh, I tried to fill it with a lot of different things. Yeah, and, uh, from your story, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and then as we move through, so you've got that going on, and you're dealing with high school, and so you're putting on this facade in high school. Everything's great. I'm a jock. I'm an athlete. I'm trying to, you know, jump in bed with every hot girl I can, pretty much, you know, whatever. And just, I mean, you're just living the life, and everyone's looking at you going, Katarka, man. Right. I mean, that's that's what I'm picturing. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of how it was? And then on the other side, there's this broken, hurt, lost human being trying to figure out how to navigate. Is that am I describing that right? Exactly. It was a, uh, you know, a facade. I was always clowning around. I was always acting like nothing really affected me. And, uh, um, you know, I just hit a lot. I isolated a lot and uh, just kept a lot in. Yeah, and then went to, so at that point, was just going to alcohol started to become a common thing for you? Yeah, I mean... uh, And the part, I guess it's part of the partying. It seems like it sounded like you were just partying, didn't realize maybe that it was going to take a hold of you. At the time, it was just, let's just party. Yeah, yeah, it really didn't, um, you know, I just wanted to be one of the guys and drinking and hanging out and, you know, socializing, And but I always took it to the, the next extreme, you know, it's... Like once yeah. I got it in my mind, I was going to drink. It was going to, I was going to drink until I was done drinking. Right. Got it. And what about <laughs> yeah. your mom at this point? What, did she have any idea what was going um, on? Yeah, she did. Um, but she never really talked about it. Um, mm. we, we never really had a, a discussion about it. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure someone so. listening, if you, you, this might sound familiar to you too. And it seems like just being able to talk about something and confront, or I don't know if you would have been ready for that, but. You know, to have this sort of white, big, you know, elephant in the room the whole time, but yet it's sort of like, and I'm sure she was dealing with her own issues, trying to raise a family without her husband. I mean, so yeah, she, she, you know, was under a lot of right, a lot of pressure, and she was, you know, in denial about a lot of things. You know, oh, her, I'm yeah. Her younger brother, my uncle. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> so of course, there was, exactly. There was a lot of issues there. Well, we're gonna we're gonna dive into your story uh, more, and because it seems like every time you started to get something going, whether it was basketball or a job, something would pull you back. And um, I don't know if that's the way it is for a lot of people with addictions. Like you're doing good. Next thing you know, it seems like with food, it'd be the same thing. Oh, I got it going on. Oh, I'm great. And then my mother-in-law drops off seven dozen cookies. And two pies and says, oh, I just made these for you. And it's just, for me, that's a drug. That's literally like I can't go through the kitchen without the zone of go to the cookies, eat the cookies, go to the cookie. You know, so it seems like I had a lot of that when I was dealing with my bulimia that I'm starting to figure this out. Next thing you know, boom. Right. Something then else. It, then the guilt hits you and isolation. Yeah. And of course. Yeah. In our yeah. case, we just have to try to find a toilet and, you know, try to throw up our food. And, and it was, yeah, it was awful. And then, you know, go hide somewhere else and be like, oh, everything's fine. And um, so I, yeah, I remember that. Well, we're going to dive into that and we're going to talk to Mark as well about, uh, about his journey, the other Mark. And um, 
get dive into that. There is a book, you guys, I want to mention to you, and I'm ta- not just talking to Mark and Mark because you guys probably don't need this, but <clears throat> there's a book called Craving, Why We Can't Seem to Get Enough, and I interviewed Omar Manajewala. He's a doctor on my podcast probably about a year ago. This is the book, for those of you listening, if you're dealing with addiction, that actually, especially food, that really uh, changed my perspective entirely. And it has... Uh, some incredible insights in the book. And so I'm highly recommending this to you. Craving, Why We Can't Seem to Get Enough. Omar Manajewala, highly, highly recommend the book. And one thing that he says in this book is that when you have a need, you're going to meet it one way or another, healthy or not healthy. So to think you have willpower, to think you can stop, I can stop. If there's a need that's not being met, you will fill the need, period. End of story. I don't care what you're doing. I don't know if you want to drive around the 7-Eleven seven times, try to stay away from it. If you have a need, you will find a way to fill it. You have to accept that. You have to fill the need in a healthy way. If not, you will find a way. I found that to be profound. All right, we're going to come back and continue the stories. Don't go anywhere. Really good stuff, important stuff on Life in the Groove. Hi guys, Tina Anderson, Life in the Groove. Thanks so much for joining us this weekend. I hope your weekend is going really well. Trying to make it a little better for you. 855-892-9606 or tinaandersonoc.com. You got to talk to me. Mark Tarka and Mark Bustamante are joining me with their personal struggles with alcoholism. I always have trouble saying struggles. I don't know why. Maybe that's just resonating with me. Uh, We talked to Mark Tarka. We started with his story. And Mark Bustamante is going to share sort of his beginnings too. And I noticed, Mark, that you were nodding a lot. So not nodding off to sleep because it was an interesting story. I'm talking about nodding as in you know, understanding. Yeah, I, I, I can relate an awful lot to uh, Mark Tarka's story. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll give it to you really quick in a nutshell. My dad died when I was three, and my mom remarried when I was four. And um, I I really don't like to talk about my stepfather because he wasn't really a nice guy. But uh, he was the one that, when he wasn't smacking me around and beating the crap out of me, introduced me to alcohol. Um, and he'd get me drunk. He was a a former Marine sergeant, and he'd get me drunk and have his friends come over, and I'd be stupid and silly, and they'd all laugh at me and everything. And and for me, it was, hey, you know, at least the guy's giving me attention, and he's not beating me. So for me, that's kind of where it all started. And How old were you about that time? Do you remember when you first started drinking? Five. Oh, geez. Six, around in there. Um, and did your mom... She like like Mark's mom. Um, my stepdad didn't want anything really to do with my three sisters and my brother or myself. So my mom basically raised us all, um, even though he was there. And my whole thing was that my mom was my life, and so I would it, when he got mad at her, I'd go out of my way to kind of like piss him off, so he'd take it out on me instead of her. And. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, where Will talks about, you know, the belt or the wrench, and I picked the wrench, you know, and why, and, you know, F him, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to cry. That's exactly the way I was. Um, and so when Mark talking about, or, and I think you mentioned it too, this idea of everything going good and then things would explode. 
I think at a young age, at least for me, and I'm pretty sure it was the same way with Mark Tarka, you get so used to the chaos that it's normal. And when things start going well, that homeostasis, it's your homeostasis is disrupted. And so you do things either consciously or subconsciously to blow it up, to get back into that chaos, because that's the feeling that you're used to living in. And it, it's take, and I'm still struggling with it. It still takes me, it's still taking me a lot to, to get to that, to understand that, you know what, not being anxious and nervous and crazy and excited and upset and, and all of that, you, that's not the way normal people live. You know? <laughs> let me ask you, let me just back you up for a minute. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so did you get, was it high school and, or college the same for you to just kind of Look, I'm, everything's great, and you know. No, it, it started. I think it actually started in junior high school. Um, you know, junior high school is when I started experimenting with drugs. Uh, I started smoking pot, snorting coke, dropping acid. Um, I did everything but heroin, and the only reason I didn't do heroin is I didn't like needles. But if I see the funny, and I tell people that, and they laugh, and I and yeah. I and I say the funny thing is, is really? if I would have known then what I know now that you could put it on a piece of aluminum foil and heat it up oh, and smoke geez. it, trust me, I I would have. Because for me. And I'm pretty sure it's the same way for Mark. For me, the less I felt, the better I felt. Mm. Does that make sense? I I literally didn't want to have any emotion. None. I didn't didn't care if I was happy. I didn't care if I was sad. I didn't care if I was in love. I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't care. Mm. All I wanted was to feel nothing. And so the higher I could be, the drunker I could be, the less I felt, the better I, it sounds insane. Even, even saying it, it sounds no, insane. No, it makes total sense. But the better I felt. Because you're numbed out and you don't have to feel the things that are so painful. <clears throat> and, and, and I understand what Mark was saying. You know, I, I hid behind this, hey, I'm a cool guy and I'm the class clown. And, and I was an okay, I was an okay athlete. And I mean, I, the ironic thing is I got kicked out of two high schools and what do I do now? I'm a high school teacher. I know, I know, it's... <laughs> You know, well, it's, it's, God's ironic. What yeah, can you say? He really but, is. But, but yeah. I mean, you know, there would be a new, there'd be an essay due on Friday and I'd turn it in Monday and it was a great thing. And the teachers would go, well, that's, you know, I did everything on my own time, however I wanted. And but that's kind of how I lived my life. Well, it's, I, you know what, we're going to dive into the stories from there. We're going to get back to Mark Tarka and continue with some of the um, horrible things that <laughs> happened to him. I'm not laughing. I'm just, it's, it's tragedy is comedy in a sense, right? Because you can't even believe the things that happen in your life sometimes. Yeah. And you look back, you go, really? Uh, but it gets to you to where you are today. And I know that you guys, um, if we look at faith and we look at our journeys, we, um, I believe it too, that, you know, there is a time, a reason, a season, and we are where we are today. So stay close by. Life in the Groove continues as we uh, follow their journeys in and out of alcoholism. Life in the Groove, Groovesters, how are you? Tina Anderson, joined today by my friends, Mark Tarka and Mark Bustamante. Mark Tarka was my son's first, really, basketball coach, 
And little did I know we'd be sitting across from each other talking about this. Mark Bustamante, uh, I met in my spin class, who is an incredible athlete now running marathons. And Mark's still playing basketball, although he has to wrap up like 17 ace bandages on all of his injuries. To, shouldn't be probably, but that's a different story. Uh, you know, two very functioning, high-functioning adults, fathers, husbands. And yet, Mark Tarka, at one point you were so desperate you stole someone's identity and ended up in jail. Why? How? Take us back to that moment. Well, actually, I didn't. Jail was from uh, from a uh, a DUI. Oh, it wasn't I got for my, the I got uh, yeah yeah. I didn't, <laughs> oh, didn't go to jail me. for the fake <laughs> the fake ID. I was in high school and I had been accepted to go to Nichols College, and I knew that in Massachusetts they changed the law to twenty one. Well, my uncle had gotten me a job at the motor vehicle department, and I planned all summer, it was in my head that I was going to get myself a official license that would be 21 years old, and uh, I succeeded. I needed a little help from one other guy, but uh, I had an actual official license of somebody else who I won't mention his name because he probably got yeah. tickets in the mail, Well, so like that. Okay, so yeah, so you were, because so, you knew that you wanted to be able to drink. Yes. That was it. Okay, so now I'm getting it confused with, was that right. the all-nighter, the binge party? Oh, that's the right. You you partied all night, you ended up in jail, and you couldn't find your car. Right, that's correct. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's another story. That was after I graduated college. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's right. Uh, I, again, you guys, and I'm not mean, it was because I'm laughing, I'm laughing with him. He's smiling, if you could see. We're, right. we're just... We're, you know, we're, we're not making light of it, but we're, it is what it is. It's crazy activity from the outside. People are like, dude, man, you're crazy wild. And then, you know, at the time, you know, whatever. So let's be, let's just be honest about where, where we are with this. And that is that life, you know, tragedy and comedy, it kind of mixes in. So don't, you know, text me or send me an email that I'm being, you know, um, that I'm being mean. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you have a lot of stories that you can't share. I know that, but I want to ask you in the last two minutes on this segment uh, about the fact that it seems like you would get going, for instance, basketball, and then you get injured, and then you had um, an injury that sent you back into the hospital with pain meds. Is that norm? Does that just seem to follow around people with addictions? I mean, does it? Do you think? Like stuff like I, that? I, I think it does. Um, I, my own my own theory on this is that you get so used to living in the chaos, the chaos becomes the normal. Do you think you draw? I know you mentioned that before, but, you know, and Mark, do you feel like yeah. you kind of just, stuff just happens to you? That It's strange because uh, both my brothers, they've had maybe one or two broken bones, and we all played similar sports, and I've broken 11 bones, um, you know, between football and basketball. Which and, causes you to possibly yeah. have to be on pain meds. Right? right, which right. can for you is deadly. Not more, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it is though, obviously. Yeah. And um, this segment's going to be cut short here in a second. But I know that what happened to you is that you ended up um, manipulating a doctor to get you back into prescription drugs, and then you had to hide that all over again, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I slipped back in, and I didn't start drinking again, but I uh, I fell hard back into uh, Percocets and prescription drugs and. Oh, it was, well, uh, crazy. when we come back, we want to wrap. I want to wrap up with the fact that you can that you can get sober, and then Mark. I know you've had this Mark Mark B that you've been sober, and then you drink, and then so I mean you have this like I'm not going to do this again, and then it happens. I know some of you listening have dealt with that. I'm not going to do this again. Whether it's I'm going to do really good with my food this week, or I'm going to exercise this week, and then you start off, and then something derails you. 
in the in the case of uh, drug addiction, that's a whole different story. But we can still identify with the fact that you are you're going to do it. I'm going to do this, and then something happens and it falls apart. So when as we wrap up today, I also want to wrap up with some moments of hope and what you can tell someone that is struggling or has a family member or anyone who needs a little encouragement. I know you guys can offer that. So we're going to wrap up with some really important and words of encouragement on Life in the Groove in moments. Perfect song. Thank you, Jay Olin, engineer extraordinaire and friend and everything else. Appreciate that. Safe and sound. That's how I want you to feel when you're listening to Life in the Groove. Also energized and motivated and inspired to live the good life, to live it healthy and strong. Got to take care of yourself mentally and physically to do that. We've been tackling addiction and primarily alcoholism. Mark Tarka, one of my guests, on his Facebook profile, Mark Susie Tarka. You can read about his story, and it's a long one, but it's worth reading. He's got pictures on the Facebook page, and then the, in the notes he has the story. It wasn't just alcoholism, gambling, um, dealing with anger issues, uh, food issues, and going to anything, whether it was food, gambling, sex, drugs. I mean, it basically, it's like the, the wolf of Wall Street, but he wasn't a wolf. He was Mark Tarka of... <laughs> Mark Tarka of... Southern California and the East Coast, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you didn't have all the money to go along with it, but it was basically sort of that debauchery and craziness to escape for a different reason. So you can go there. And uh, and Mark Bustamante from my spin class, that's how we met. Mark Tarka uh, was my, my son's first coach for basketball. Now, uh, there's so much we can talk about, but what I want to get to right away is how is it that you get sober, then you go back to drugs, you get sober, you go back to drinking. I'll start with Mark B. You had a relapse. Yeah. Um, Why? How? I, I made a promise because I lived, my, my father, my, my stepdad was such a crazy drunk. I made a promise to myself that when my daughter was born that I would quit drinking. And so I had quit. Um, I mean, I just stopped. No, no AA, no meetings, no nothing. I just, I made a promise to myself and to her, and I just didn't drink. And, you know, I fought the cravings and everything, found other things to do, got into bodybuilding, and then completely destroyed my right shoulder. And even through that, I, I didn't go back to drinking. And it wasn't until uh, almost two years ago when uh, my mom died of ovarian cancer that my life just came apart. Um, when I, I, I automatically, I mean, I, I couldn't feel. It's not that I didn't want to feel. It's that I couldn't feel. I mean, I was sad, but I couldn't cry. I was mad, but I couldn't yell. I, and then it just got to the point that I didn't know what to do. And my brother-in-law, God love him, he's a great guy, but he was standing there, we were at his house, and he was drinking a beer, and I said, do you have one? I mean, I never thought those words would come out of my mouth, wow. but they did. And that was it. And that was it. And the weird thing about it, Tina, was there wasn't enough alcohol for me. There, there wasn't, There right. just wasn't. To get, uh, to, right. to, wow. to get I mean, good, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't eat, 
in my brain at least, I mean, in the people that my, my daughter who was 18 at the time and my wife, they both noticed that I was a falling down idiot drunk. But to me, in my brain, I wasn't drunk. I couldn't get drunk. It was impo- in my brain. I was, it was impossible. No matter how much I drank, I felt sober. Wow. Okay. Let me, let me uh, stop you right there. Um, Mark Tarko, what about you? We, was it the prescription drug situation? Was that the um, last time for you that you got out of control? Yeah, that was a, you know, that was a relapse years after. I, I quit drinking in uh, 1998, but I wouldn't say I was recovered. I went to a few AA meetings, but when they talked about a higher power, I wanted no part of it. Oh, that's right, because you so didn't come I, to your faith until later. Right. And what right. did you use instead then? Uh, I focused on basketball. I just changed everything to basketball. But, you know, I was kind of a cross addict, so I was sober. I was kind of what they call a sober drunk. Um, oh. I was doing gambling. I would do... Wait, a sober drunk, you know, meaning that you were sober, but you were finding something else. Right. It was kind means? of a cross addict, but just, you know, I was still angry. I was still resentful. Okay. I, never, I never resolved a lot of the issues that I had. I just wasn't drinking. Um, and but I, I did get addicted to basketball. I okay. loved playing hoops. And I know you do. Yeah. What? Um, I know we're going to run out of time, unfortunately, but real quickly, what happens to your families? I mean, are you... I can't... I mean, they stayed with you. Your wives, well, you have a different story, but still, your right. Susie is with yeah. you. My, my, what do they do? My wife basically hoped and prayed that I just didn't die. And through the love of my daughter, my daughter literally read me the riot act. Um, I remember you, know, you telling me that story. You're, dishonor- you're yeah. dishonoring me. You're dishonoring mom. You're dishonoring our family. You're dishonoring your mother, who has a legacy, and if this is how you're going to kill yourself, you know, I wish you would just leave. Just go. Um, I grew up without a father. My daughter grew up without grandparents other than my mom. And she did not want her children to grow up without her grandfather. She wanted me, you know, I want you to walk me down the aisle. I want right, you to be there right. when I graduate from college. I want you to play with your grandchildren. And, I mean, she was crying. And, and then she just laid it on the line. If this is how you're going to live the rest of your life and feel sorry for yourself, then you need to go. Right. Because I'm not going to sit here and, and watch you. And mom loves you too much to say anything. Okay. And, Mark, what about Susie? Um, my wife went through um, a program at Saddleback Church called Celebrate Recovery. She went in on codependency. Mm. And she learned a lot about addictions. And, and you know, I mean, she can she can read me. She knows when... You know, she needs to throw me a basketball and say, go play. Um, um, so with that tolerance that she learned um, enabled her to get through when I had the back surgery and I got addicted to drugs. And, uh, you know, we tried to take every precaution, but I just mm. lost control. Okay. You know what? I'm thinking, Jay, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to wrap up the segment. And because we're going to run out of time, maybe we can do about um, five minutes of just kind of their hopeful message and suggestions. And I'll put it on the podcast. Does that work? Okay. So if you guys, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna, we only have a minute left. So we're going to wrap this up. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay with the guys. You guys okay for about five more minutes? Sure, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to tape um, about five to ten minutes more with them on what to do if you're facing this and... Um, not that they're experts in everything, but they certainly have uh, experienced a lot. And I think that what they have to say could possibly help you. TinaAndersonOC.com. I will have it up there on the radio tab under Get Fit, Stay Healthy. And you can uh, finish listening to our conversation. Until then, make good choices. Set appropriate boundaries. Spread some good vibrations in the world. We need lots of good vibrations. Many, many, many. 
Find something to laugh about every day. Every single day you should be laughing. Every single day you should find something to laugh about. And manage your stress before it manages you. It will kill you. Stressor. Anything that's a stressor, you've got to get rid of it. At least try to. This is Tina Anderson reminding you to live your life in the groove. Thanks, guys. It's Tina with Get Fit, Stay Healthy and Life in the Groove, TinaAndersonOC.com. You know, this is my podcast where I'm integrating all my sort of uh, older kind of very uh, health and fitness oriented stuff with more of wellness and good living. And that's part of Life in the Groove, which is my syndicated radio show, TinaAndersonOC.com. If you didn't get there, if you found this on iTunes, if you go to my blog, you can see all the affiliates and where the show airs and all the other cool stuff I'm doing. Because I know you don't have anything else going on. You just got to follow what I'm doing. I'm, you know, fill your life with great things. Uh, okay, so, uh, but let's get serious. Because I am now doing this little after show sort of taping that Jay Olin, um, my friend and engineer and producer and rock star, is letting me do. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Jay. Mark Tarka and Mark Bustamante were on my show. You've been listening to them. And now we're going to do the little wrap-up because we ran out of time. It's kind of like the after Oprah show. <laughs> I'm like, Oprah... Do we okay. get a car? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm going to hand Just out cars. Yeah. Go, hey. Exactly. Here yeah. you go. Uh, okay, so let me start. Uh, Mark Bustamante, let me start with you. Somebody's listening. It's a family member that's worried. It is someone who's it's resonating with them, but they're in denial. It's a daughter. It's an uncle. It's a school teacher. Um, in general, what do you say from your journey that maybe might help someone in some way identify or deal with this? Okay. The one thing I would tell someone is that whatever you're addicted to, it, it's not going to solve the problem. You have to face the problem. Um, for me, I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to face my emotions, I didn't want to feel all the ang- I didn't want to deal with all the anger and the hurt and everything that, and so I would drink and it would go away, but as soon as I sobered up, it would come back. And all, it, all I did is while I was drunk, I just caused more problems. So... If if you have some type of addiction, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, you need to face the issue, whatever it might be, that is making you go to that to kind of feel better. And how did you, I know when we talked to the other Mark, I know how you reached that, but how did you, because you said you just quit the first time just on your own did yeah. you get are you did you get support the second yeah, time yeah i'm in i'm in therapy right now uh, matter of fact i have a i have an appointment okay. with my therapist tomorrow and you know i go i go once a month and i just go and i talk about what's on my mind what's going on how i'm feeling and uh he's helping he's helping me basically not only deal with my emotions but actually be more expressive with my emotions um like I said, I, I give Mark Tarka a lot of credit because I, w- I don't know if I would ever write my story and put it on the internet. And the story that I have, I share with very few people because... Well, thank you. I'm, I appreciate you shared it with it, me it, then. It, you know, I'm, I'm kind of scared, but I'm learning how to, to share that. And it's almost like a catharsis for me. Sure. So if you're, if you're, if you're drinking, doing drugs or whatever, you got to find out, figure out why. 
and then deal with that. If you have someone that you love, mom, dad, brother, sister, whoever, that is an addict, and I think we're all addicted to something somehow, some way, and it's destructive, you can tell them nothing more than how it makes you feel. You can't force them to go into therapy or to get clean because they won't until they want to. But if you tell them how it makes you feel and how it affects your life, hopefully they will listen um, because that's, that's how it happened to me. My daughter laid it on the line. Okay. And, and that you know, was thank it. God, thank God. I'm, I, you know, I'm knock on wood. I'm going on seven and a half months of sobriety. Um, I've replaced my addictions with exercise. Mark replaced his with basketball. Yeah. I replaced he, I replaced mine with running exercise. Running and spin. Thank you. Running woo, and spin. Woo, woo, woo. And Tina's gotten me through two half marathons so far. <laughs> I, I hear her screaming in my head. Don't That's quit. Right. Don't, Don't quit. quit. Keep Don't quit. going. That's right. Okay. Listen. Thank you. First of all, God bless you and for sharing. And I really appreciate that. Uh, Mark Tarka, what can you say? Yeah, just, just to add to what Mark just said, there. Great advice. Um, but for family members, I think to reinforce that you're going to be there for them regardless because um, the guilt and the and the, the way you self-destruct and beat yourself up, there's nothing that they can lecture you about to You can't make talk someone too into right. You yeah, can't you, you can't you can't talk. rationalize or reason this And a is, lot of family yeah. members just wash their hands of, of these people. And it's you know, I think family is a is a big part of, of uh, recovery. Okay. And um, what else I'd like to say too is that um, you know, I used to isolate and I finally learned how to forgive and I forgave God. I forgave, you know, myself was the hardest one to forgive. That's okay. taken me a long time. Um, so forgiveness, I got into a recovery program, went through a 12 step and just, you know, peeled the onion back and, and it's been a long journey, but I'm still, still working on it. So I've been sober from alcohol for 28 years but wow. drugs, yeah, I know drugs. I know you or so. right. still, um, but I've been very blessed with a great family and a great support system. I think being, having accountability partners and people that know you, you know, if they don't see you for a couple of days or hear from you, they, right. they call to make sure you're not uh, going off the deep end, but, uh, um, okay, well, Mark yeah. Susie Tarka on Facebook for his profile, and maybe someday Mark Bustamante will have that. Are you guys, you know, I mean, it might be the next step for you, yeah, Mark. It, 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 might, it, it might be. You just did it here, yeah. right? Okay, so those of you listening, I just want to say, if, if you're dealing with an addiction, if it's alcoholism, if it's cocaine, if it's heroin, if it's food, if it's sex, if it's gambling, whatever, and it, it has power over you, you, you probably are going to have a hard time doing this on your own. So just send out a prayer and a meditation that if you're listening right now and this touches you, that you... Uh, decide that maybe this moment is the time that you're going to make a change. And I would love to hear about it if you do. And you have two success stories here, and uh, you can be one of them or someone you love can be. So from all of us here at Life in the Groove and Get Fit, Stay Healthy, asking you to take good care of yourself. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>